Welcome to Skunk Works, where each episode we speak with CEOs of established SaaS companies about strategies for keeping innovation fresh. Hello, everyone. Eric here. I'm the host of the Skunk Works podcast. It's a show where we collect stories from experienced entrepreneurs and business leaders with the intention of inspiring and helping others on their journey. And before I begin, this episode is brought to you by Half Serious. It's a design and technology company that I founded where we help service companies become tech-enabled businesses. Today, I have with me Alfredo Ramirez, who's the CEO of Viopta. Alfredo, thank you so much for being here. It's a great pleasure to join you, Eric. All right. So first thing first, we're going to talk about you personally, but everyone always wants to know what the guests are doing for a living. So I, so I would love for you to talk to us a little bit about, about Viopta, what it does so that we understand, but mostly what makes you excited about this project? Yeah, definitely. So at Viopta, we originally started with a different mission and approach, but we pivoted the business about seven years ago. Uh, one of the things that we discovered as part of figuring out our product market fit that collaboration is uh, is not does not work well yet in in business uh, and so especially after the pandemic now there's many more collaboration apps out there but there's also more issues that uh, around user experience that have occurred especially around you know people working much more in remote home offices or really anywhere remotely to going back into the office to support that hybrid work model. And the reason is there's many more variables uh, involved that can affect the communication collaboration experience, many more applications um, and, and networks. So just think of your home network as, as pretty much dependent on the last mile of your service provider. Right. And originally that was designed for you know, downloading movies or watching movies. And so now with the pandemic, you had people working from home, kids going to school. So a lot of the service providers over time have been re-engineering and reconfiguring and rebuilding that last mile, but it can't be done overnight. So there, there's that variable. And then you have your home office too, your router, uh, you know, your device that you're communicating from, the applications running on your devices, a laptop, let's say, mm -hmm. and all of that could affect the user experience, you know, while you're communicating, collaborating with others. And so uh, the way we, the way uh, our company is uh, focused on going forward is how do we help our customers fix or be in the position to manage delivering a high quality, consistent digital user experience when their people are collaborating and communicating from anywhere. Got it. And what form does that take? Do you do you ship technology? Is it is it a software product or is it a hardware product? No, great question. It's a software product that's delivered as a service in the cloud. Got it. And so we provide intelligence to IT, and we're now going to be providing a subset of that intelligence to end users like you and I. Uh, one of the things that we discovered, 25, approximately 25% of the issues can only be uh, fixed by the end user themselves. So there's only so much that IT can do to provide a, an environment 
that's high quality and consistent. So it's up to me to make sure I find a workspace that's conducive to support collaborating with others. That it's not loud, or I've got a headset on, or I've I've got adequate network to support this. I don't have you know multiple other people sharing in that network. They're in, children on distance learning, you don't have sufficient bandwidth in your home. You know, so there's a lot of factors that uh, end users like you and I can uh, affect uh, and, and deliver better user experience, not just for ourselves, but for the people that we're collaborating with virtually. Okay, so your, your, your elevator pitch might be, we help decentralized teams connect better through technology. Yeah, our mission is we make virtual collaboration work. Perfect. Awesome. Okay, thank you. Um, so you mentioned product market fit, and I think this is a big part of the thread uh, that I'd like to weave in into the story because I think it's it's really interesting. Based on on some of the pre, uh, prior research here, I have it that you founded the company with two other co-founders in 2008. Stressful moment where you know the bottom fell off of, of the market uh, in 08, and it's at that time where you need to sort of put your 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 personal money into that business at a point in time where the, the economy is not doing great, uh, but also you're not quite convinced that you figured out product market fit yet. And so I'm like, I, I need to know about the stress level and, and how that happened, and, you know, for you personally, but also in your, in your relationship with your co-founders. Uh, great question. Uh, so I'd say, yes, it was uh, a, a, a time that, can create stress as you're starting a business and there's a financial crisis that has you know essentially started and so now you got to figure out well how do you finance the go forward activity for your business with the team not just the the founders but others to begin developing a solution that you know will will make the uh, company a sustainable business going forward and uh, because of that the financial crisis event and that in that time period during our founding uh, period, we uh, decided to start as a integrator, developing custom applications that would integrate uh, live video communication into sales, customer services, and team collaboration workflows. And for a number of years, we pursued that until you know about seven years ago, we figured out there was more demand for one of these five applications that we had developed over that period of time around essentially providing insights around the performance of that technology used to support live video communication. So I, I love so, those stories. So you're doing a bunch of things and then you're figuring out that there is a customer type or a problem type that seems to have better numbers around it. And 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 then what do you decide? Do you, do you do you burn the boats and and you let go of the stuff that doesn't work? Like how how do you move from there? That, that's a great uh, an analogy of of what we actually did. Uh, so seven years ago, we my me and my two co-founders decided, okay, we're going to pursue focusing on this one application that addresses a large market. Uh, around performance management. And so in order for us to scale with limited resources, people and money, we had to drop everything else. Mm. Now we couldn't necessarily stop supporting the customers that had paid <laughs> for a period of time. So we just let those subscriptions 
and uh, contracts expire, but we went all in around very similar to what we're doing today now. How long did it take and, you to sort of exit those those clients that weren't you decided weren't in your wheelhouse anymore? Uh, Eighteen to twenty four months was we had a pretty clean uh, revenue stream that was nearly a hundred percent. It was a hundred percent on the new application. Eighteen to twenty four months. So that's enough yeah. for you to be respectful and to to let clients you know enough time for them to sort of. Uh, figure out how they're going to move beyond you, but short enough for you to not sort of waste too much time and effort and attention on a, on a segment that you've decided wasn't the thing that you're going to be focusing on. Right. I'd say in the first year was probably the majority, 75 to 80%. The second year, it, it really started drop. We, we okay. made sure that we weren't renewing all that legacy business any longer. So, so can you explain, like, uh, I really want to get super specific on what was the, was there a aha moment? Were you tracking things? Was there a moment where you just realized, oh my God, this is the segment? Like, how, how does that happen in real life? Well, the, the primary empirical data is revenue. Right. And, and pipeline build. And so we started seeing much more demand around the analytics and monitoring of communications perform around communications performance and so we went all in on that so you at first you were you're doing sort of uh video augmentation of of sales processes and you ended up doing what you're doing now that's that's quite a that's quite a that's quite a jump that's very mm -hmm. interesting we had initially made a bet that software codecs that supports this video voice chat communication through applications like we're using right now was going to be prevalent uh, prevalently used uh, or pervasively used 10 years ago mm. and it just happened over the last couple of years okay so that was a large part of why we decided to make that move and pivot to what we do today okay I got it. So it seems like you you have a very good talent for going all in and big expenses right before huge disruptive events uh, seem to happen in the world, right? Because if I understand correctly, you initiated a major redesign and refactoring of the platform in 2008, two years before COVID hits, right? Yes. And uh, so 2018, true, uh, we uh, were... Uh, growing more quickly and the uh, architecture that uh, we built our cloud platform with just wasn't going to scale economically any longer mm -hmm. it was built on older technologies like .NET and sql server not that they're bad technologies but those were legacy technologies uh, and every year in the tech industry that goes by is very similarly to a dog year right and so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we had that platform for you know, not quite 10 years, but it was getting close to that. So it was, uh, it, it, we outlived the, the robustness that we needed going forward. Right. And so we rebuilt the platform. I'd say the analog to the rebuilding was we were building a plane while adding passengers and flying it. And so it was not an easy venture, but we got through it. 
Okay. And then I think, we, you know, at the beginning, we said we we're going to talk a lot about uh, product market fit. I think if I, if I um, understood correctly, you're re- in 2018, you're rebuilding it to serve, you know, better plumbing, better technology, but essentially the same business model. And then 2020 hits and, and all the sort of on-premise stuff doesn't work anymore and now it's about it's all about remote how how big of a curveball was that for for the product uh so was it a big issue to address with the product was more our go-to-market so pre-pandemic you could you would appreciate that 95 percent of the workforce was working out of the office yes there was about five percent approximately uh people working remotely home or other Mm -hmm. and our primary focus was around uh, performance management of those technologies used in uh, primarily in office environments. Now, it could be remote as well, but the majority of our subscriptions that we sold were to manage a lot of those endpoints in the office. You know, fast forward, pandemic kicks off, and literally within two months, or actually even shorter, like weeks, everyone's working from home. Right. Right and no one's in the office. Now, at that point, a significant part of our recurrent revenue stream is is affected. And uh, the new platform that we were uh, still in the midst of building, but was pretty much nearly completely done at that time, we were able to pivot very quickly and connect with those unified communications as a service cloud solutions Mm -hmm. and started uh, you know, advancing our capabilities to support remote work. And from 2000, mid 2020 to the end of 2021, uh, that recurring revenue stream for remote work almost grew about 3X. Um, and uh, our endpoint license recurring revenue stream was declining during the pandemic because those devices, endpoints were not being used in the office. Mm-hmm. But the second half of last year, we start seeing that growth again. So it grew about 15% from Q3, Q4 last year uh, in, in the two-quarter period. Uh, we believe it's going to continue growing going forward with hybrid work models being implemented, and it's going to begin to ramp up as the uh, COVID uh, pandemic begins to wind down. And what we're definitely seeing or we and believe will be occurring is organizations will invest in more communication collaboration technologies in the office, even though they may have less office space, there'll be greater density of technology to support hybrid work, which is ensuring people in the office, uh, those days that the people in the office are communicating with their team members who are not in the office. Got it. And And so- Oh, sorry, go ahead. So so virtual collaboration now is even much more important going forward, Mm -hmm. not just for remote work, but for this hybrid work model which is going to be adopted approximately by 80% of the organizations globally, according to Gartner Research and other industry analysts who have surveyed uh, executives uh, globally. Yeah, that feels super personal to me. We're, uh, like I said, we're about uh, 70 employees here, but in the office, you could probably sit 12 of them. There's no there's no possibility that we're going to do this again. If we, if we need to do an event, we're going to rent the space or whatever, but we're just going to have like an intimate office for, for people to come and spend time together. 
but you know, in general, people are just going to work uh, remotely. You can, can I ask you like a very um, oddly specific question? Your your revenue model. You said that it was recurrent, but is it based on a percentage of traffic or some sort of performance mechanic, or is it a fixed fee? Uh, no, it's it's based on uh, user uh, licenses that they buy. Uh, so it's just two, two uh, units of measure. Uh, user licenses that the customer buys from, let's say, Microsoft, Cisco, Zoom, or other, mm-hmm. and number of devices that Got we it. track. That so track. those are the two recurring revenue streams that we have. Now, we do have another application uh, that was shelved during the pandemic. Uh, that It's for work, workspace, uh, collaborative workspace optimization. Uh, that will probably come back, and uh, that's also device-centric as well. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. I, I might have more questions uh, after the call, but uh, I don't want to. Okay. I don't want to go too deep into this conversation right here. Um, last question, because I try to keep these these episodes under under twenty minutes, and so we're we're rubbing, running up on our time. But there's definitely something that I want to ask you. Like by nature, um, entrepreneurs are fairly resilient, and you feel um, a sort of maybe exaggerated sense of control, even when there are curveballs that are coming your way, right? And there's something that 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 I personally struggle with is that sometimes some things will happen. Like there was a big plan that we do something and it doesn't work out. And I kind of see it as like, ah, bad news, but shit happens and we're going to pivot and we're going to figure out something else and, and so on and so on. But I found that my, that I've, always been too transparent about the things that we're trying that we're not working out or whatever. And it, it, it creates undue stress despite my sort of personal desire to be very transparent with my employees. I find that sometimes I overshare. And so you've had a couple of, of, of big curveballs. Like what's, what's, what's your approach to this? Like, what do you tell employees when, when something happens and we're going to need to rethink some, you know, some part of our strategy? So the first thing is only uh, focus on problems that you can control mm. that, that you want. So uh, if you can't, there's no need to talk about and worry about problems that you have no control over. That's good. And, and so that's number one. Number two, uh, you have to have some criteria and process to prioritize, or at least figure out, hey, what's the real impact of a problem to your business like there's going to be every person in the organization is going to have some kind of problem but there's no need to address every problem there's tactical problems operation strategic problems and the ones that as as a leader of a company you got to figure out which are the strategic ones that you really need to deal with kind of like our economy today there's right. a lot, or let's say our country, there's a lot of problems. But if you pick what are the top three, pre the Russian invasion of Ukraine, it would be supply chain inflation. You know, as, as an example, those are two mm-hmm. big problems yep. versus maybe a lot of others that were being tackled, right? Yeah, you because know, it diffuses the resources available to focus the knock down what's the most important things. Right. So I think I'll give you like a, a real example. I want to divert away from a certain type of clients and focus on another one. I found that when I say things like that, I confuse people. But if I say, hey, we're going to, 
we're we're increasing our, our sales budget to go after this type of client, then it's it it's more sort of action oriented, and people can sort of imagine what that means a lot. So it's a lot more. Um, it's like easier to imagine. It's a lot more concrete. It's a lot more tangible, if you will, right? So, would that be sort of moving kind of closer to your philosophy? Um, yeah, I mean, it's so if as a leader of an organization, you define the goals, and then you got to figure out what's the strategy. You got to you know develop the strategy and the plan that's going to be executed that achieve those goals. If you decide, Eric, hey, we're going to go pursue more net new customers in this one vertical well then what's the strategy and plan for that and then also you have to come up with well what are the possible challenges or obstacles we're going to have to overcome Mm. you know maybe it's a different go to market maybe there's a you know some key partnerships that are required to accelerate penetrating that market you know is if you do penetrate that new vertical is it you know, within a, a geography that you can support or or not. Yeah, so there's a lot of factors that will go into that. So um, uh, those could, understanding what the potential challenges and obstacles to overcome could become your issues to deal with later. Or not that anyone has a crystal ball to see everything, but something will always pop up. <laughs> so yeah. And you got to figure out how to deal with it at that point um, to get so, around so it, if you, go through it or Go Sorry, I was going to say, if, if you just pick one of them, if you pick a, because of this, we're going to have to change our go-to-market. Do you wait until you've figured out that new go-to-market to talk to your your folks? Or do you keep that inside until, or do you just say it right away, hey, we're going to have to rethink our go-to-market, and then you don't really, you acknowledge that you don't have the solution yet? Or do you wait until you do? Ideally, you don't want to change your go-to-market because that can slow your business down significantly. Right. If you have to, you're essentially saying you got to pivot your business, right? Because for whatever reason, maybe you've uh, you're at the end of your product life cycle, you know, with in, in the other market, and and uh, you just didn't have enough time to develop the new a, a new solution or go after a new go to, a new market that doesn't work with your current go-to-market yeah. engine. Okay. So, and your business could be affected for different market folks like the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so you may have to, you know, as a business, you may have to change your go-to-market. You may have to change your solution. Uh, a lot of businesses were significantly affected. I just think rest, service businesses were significantly affected. Uh, they went from serving people, let's say restaurants serving people at a table to, you know, ordering uh, online. Yeah. And drive to pick up as an example. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Okay, Alfredo, this is our time. I think this is going to be one of these episodes that you listen to it, you think about it, and then you listen to it again. Because there's definitely, I think I will listen to that okay. episode and be like, I need to think about this a little more. So very, uh, very interesting. Th- thank you so much <laughs> for being so honest and transparent with with your your thoughts and, uh, and experience. I really appreciate it. Yeah, actually, I, I really enjoyed it. You're kind of uh, it's, it's, uh, unique uh interviewer for a podcast <laughs> well thank you you make it very fun <laughs> yeah, you make cool it fun. <laughs> all right all right alfredo have a great day thank you all right you too have a great See. weekend bye-bye thanks for listening to skunk works we'll see you again next time and be sure to click subscribe to get future episodes